Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hello, Internet. This is Lex Michael, Twitter handle at the Lex Michael, and I am here with... Byron Thompson, Twitter at Byron Lee. And we are watching Cat People, the 1942 horror classic produced by Val Luton. Real quick before we jump in, uh, Byron, uh, do you want to tell those of us watching along at home a little bit about this motion picture? Well, Val Luton was uh, brought into the RKO unit, which at the time had just done two very successful uh, films, King Kong and Citizen Kane, and he was brought in to do the B unit, which kind of meant they weren't going to give him any money. And he was very irritated that he didn't have anything like Kong or any type of iconic character to deal with, so he tried to approach his B unit with a certain uh, amount of creativity, which I think really shows in this film. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And this was the first of a number of movies he produced for RKO. Uh, This is, I would say, to date, one of the more iconic. Absolutely. So we're going we're gonna to peep this motion picture, and we would like very much for you to peep along with us. Now, uh, we are going to sync up our, our watching with yours. We're going to give you counts in a minute. So get your uh, DVD remotes ready, your, your iTunes streams prepared. We are going to give you a countdown, and we are going to hit play, and you can watch along with us while we chit-chat over this motion picture. Everybody grab your remotes. Are we ready, Lex? We are ready, Stephen. We're gonna count down. You're from... gonna you're gonna hit. You're gonna do three, two, one. Then on go, you hit play, guys. Yes, we're gonna count down three, two, one, and then on go, we're gonna hit play. Everybody, prepare your remotes, your mouse trackpad things, and click with us. Ready? Three, two, one, go. And we're off. We're looking at the. Iconic RKO Radio Pictures logo. This radio tower on top of the globe. Fantastic. Oh, here we go. All right. With all of uh, Valentin's films, he focused a lot on the imagery. Yeah. Which we start with the Panther, obviously, for good reason. I think it should be noted as we... uh, start here with the credits that this was also one of the first films directed by uh, Jacques Tunier for the American audiences. Yes, and he would collaborate with Luton on two more movies for RKO after this one. It was, uh, I believe, I Walked with a Zombie and uh, Leopard Man? Correct. And he also was always uh, the person who always called Luton the dreamer. Ah. The one that always had his head in the clouds, not really grounded. We open with this excerpt from The Anatomy of Atavism by Dr. Louis Judd. In some ways, this kind of sets up the sequel. And it's, All the psychology. It, too, that's something that you'll see in a number of these Luton-produced horror movies, is that they will either open, close, or both with these text excerpts. Absolutely. And, and style is such an enormous part of his films, especially the black and white photography and the very kind of subtle low-key use of camera movement it's it's very uh, unassuming considering it's clearly a horror film well it is but we've talked about this uh, a little bit what's interesting about Luton's horror movies is that m- most of them aren't horror movies in the sense that we understand the term now oh absolutely it's it's basically practical people in 
impractical situations. Yes. Things that are beyond their means, things they don't understand at all. And a lot of the conventions of his movies stylistically fall far more in line with, depending on the movie, uh, noir, say, especially in the case of Cat People. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think Cat People, out of all the projects that he did, is the most noir almost on purpose because of the subject matter, the darkness and the uh, way that he basically brings out the Simone Simon character. I just think it's fantastic. Now... This guy, and when I say this guy, I'm referring to Oliver? The, the character of Oliver Reed. Ollie, who, Ollie? <laughs> when they when they remade this movie, and we will talk a little bit about sure. the Schrader remake, but when they remade this movie, they changed his name. He's not Oliver Reed because by that point, the actor Oliver Reed Clearly. had established a name for Clearly. himself. But this this character, Oliver Reed, our male lead in the movie, is just the worst. He is just the worst guy. But yet incredibly successful with ladies, it seems. Yes. It doesn't seem to be a problem for him. <laughs> well, he's fascinating because as you'll see later in the movie, when when we're further into the drama of their relationship and we've introduced more of the conflict, his inner turmoil... And here's a great plant for later for the payoff, obviously. Oh, the dagger through the... Oh, it's the... just fantastic. Really but uh, his, his inner turmoil comes not really out of his love for Irina, although nominally it does, really where it seems to come from is the fact that he's never been unhappy before in his life, and he doesn't know how to process being unhappy. Well, it's interesting that you that you bring that up because I think that that sets up the whole idea of the love triangle that is uh, completely unpredictable. Right. It, 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 it kind of almost like uh, shows itself without you even ever suspecting. And, sure. I, and I, love, I think that's very smart. It's, uh, it's excellent storytelling. It's, it's not that she's loose. Right. It's that she's friendly. That's that's hugely different. <laughs> hugely different. But he's very unexpected. You know, he doesn't expect that at all. He's like thinking he's failed. And sure. Come on in. Let's have some tea. Lots of shadows. Lots of from, shadows. From, from the beginning, the whole film is just laced in it. Which the sequel has hardly any. It's not at all like this. Well, as something else we could talk about, too, is that the sequels, really, it's a sequel in, in name, name only. only. You were saying that earlier, yeah. It absolutely. has almost... No, yes, the, the Oliver and the Alice characters come back, and it's the same actors playing the same parts, and you have this ghost of Irina, but it has almost, beyond the character names, it has almost nothing to do with this movie. But it is it is its own very interesting distinct entity from it they were uh, when when Val was uh, undertaking this film for RKO they were very upset at the fact that he wasn't doing anything extreme when they were looking at rushes and dailies and stuff seeing what we're watching right now they were like well wait a minute you know where's the where's the horror he right. they had no concept of his uh, subtle manner which is very evident in the film I think it really I think he really pulls it off it's very unassuming definitely sneaks up on you very very smart yeah, and it's it's I, I I understand from the perspective of his superiors when they hired him to make a lot of these movies, especially at first they were expecting something a little more straightforward, uh, something you know with a little more boo and eek to it. Uh, but this type of terror that Luton so excelled at was not uh, was not the jump scare type of terror that modern audiences expect from horror movies. It was a very slow, creeping psychological what? sense of of being very ill at ease. It's true horror. Yeah. He 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 puts something like you said we were talking earlier. We accept this as a, as a couple they've just met 
and it seems no different than maybe when you've met somebody or perhaps even when I've met somebody and things go awry very quickly. <laughs> Everything seems fine and it's right. not. And very gradually you start to get the suspicion that something isn't fine. And all the iconography, all the, she's got the leopard, she's got the statue, she's got all these things in her room. It's fantastic. It's such a great setup. You're not too big on him, I take it. <laughs> I, I get the impression you kind of think uh, little of him. Yes, no, not not a fan, not a fan at all. What's interesting, too, is that uh, with something that seems to recur in a lot of his movies is... Uh, there's a, a specific term for it that I'm forgetting right now, but fears that are tied to the ancestral, that are tied oh, to absolutely. that are tied to a legacy. I mean, it's here clearly, as as Irina believes at the very least that she's descended from these cat people, and that's what drives her fear. Um, it's true all the way up into uh, the body snatcher. Yes, where, absolutely. Where the villain of the body snatcher is tied into the backstory and the the predecessors of one of the main characters. Oh, absolutely. And I also think it's unique that that you say that in regard to the fact that she seems to have no problems, no no physical problems, no mental issues. She seems to just be a beautiful girl. Oh, Irina. But but all of his problems, which he has plenty. Yes. They're they're all uh, analytical within the film they're all played out with the other characters you know he, he clearly does not have anything together so you kind of like said you know his his life is kind of like charmed yeah, and, it's, to and, say the and least. it's about to be uncharmed very quickly so that's that's kind of exciting the ancestral you're right that's such a, a big part of this the past because she's, she's Serbian, right? That's the whole context of the film? Yes. She's Serbian, and the woman that appears later, they're Serbian. It's like from her country, much like the remake as well. God, the remake. That was actually, that's how I came to Luton in general in the first place, is I worked backwards. I first discovered the David Bowie song, Cat People, which led me to the Paul Schrader movie, which then led me back to the Luton movie. Oh, absolutely. And the shot, like I've said, I've can't say enough about the shadows because unlike some of his other films this one is a pure noir at least in terms of appearance right well and they the shadows play heavily into uh, what you could refer to as the what's well, a setup what's well, a set, you, for the big payoff right. absolutely which is great it's very smart in a world where you don't really have the budget to show an aggressive uh, uh, feline attack and they, they didn't get that but they eventually did and of course we're very happy this unless I'm mistaken this was the most successful film he actually ever did for his unit and everything. From what my understanding is from what I've read, I'm not sure what your research shows. I, I don't know any different. Just a hair. So this is the introduction of Alice. I like Alice. I like Alice too. The only, no, the only, of the trifecta of the, the main, uh, of the trifecta, the, what? Of the three main characters of that trifecta, the only one who really grates on me is Oliver. We'll try to steer clear of him. <laughs> I just, I just wonder what these two women see in this, this self-obsessed simpleton. Ultimately, 
I, I definitely see on the surface he has a certain aw shucks charm to him, but there's not much going on there beyond that. Yeah, I like the I like the cat's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, the cat knows something's not right. I Irena? Is that how you say her name? Lex? Irena? Irena? Irena. I wonder what they did to the cat to agitate it in that last shot. The, the girl who works in our department. It, it played with her, from what I hear. <laughs> There's something so endearingly childlike about this performance. Of hers? Yeah. You know, I, I think this is the only film she actually made. She wasn't really sought after. But she's great in these. Simone? Is that how you say her name? Simone, Simone Simon. Simon. No, now all the animals are freaking out. This and is it all bad. It, it It is, to me, the childlike qualities that she possesses and she displays in this performance that make it uh, makes it all the more tragic what ultimately happens to her. And the fact that she has to deal with this throughout the story at all, because she's, she's every bit the victim of this circumstance as some of the other characters later fear they will be or doubt they will be. Oh, absolutely. And there's, and there's also an uninviting uh, truth in, in this film as well as the sequel about she believes in something that no one else believes in. Right. As does the little girl in the sequel. It's it's very uh it's very a very consistent theme in Luton's work. Uh there is a character in all of his work usually that is has some truth that no one will believe and they constantly in the film try to convince others, No, you don't understand. This is a serious and nobody everybody ignores I'm sure you remember, you know, in this film obviously Maybe her brother's wife is a cat person. Perhaps. I think you're more upset about the simpleton nature of all of it. <laughs> he just, just, he's just staring. But he he's, just... but he's got a, he's got a good heart. And he... the best part about his character, I think, which you have not said, is he really wants to take care of her. And even if he doesn't even maybe believe her, he, he, he's worried about her. He's concerned for her. I, I that, that's will... a, that's an admirable trait. I will concede that point absolutely. He means well. He means very well. He just he just can't help himself. I'm not even sure if there's anything or person I've disliked that much in my life. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, he's no winner. I'll give you that. Well, and I like the performance a lot. He's real fresh with her constantly, and she doesn't really seem to be <laughs> that into it, which is great. <laughs> it's like real life. Hmm. She's just been watching him sleep.
a little creepy, but well, remember when this movie was made, it's not really. But also, but also, she says it. She says that she was watching him with such, such innocence. Well, there's a purity to her for sure. No, I'm trying to remember this this story, this this source of her fear, which is that if she becomes intimate with somebody, she will transform into a ferocious cat person and do harm to others. I, I cannot remember off the top of my head. Is that do they mention where that comes from in this in this movie? Is that um... it, it's in, it's inferred that it comes from the, her uh, Serbian background. I don't want to say anything before it happens in the film but that's kind of where all that comes from like you like you said the ancestral part when she's speaking to him already with about the statue and all these things she's very non-specific right and even now when he's pu- pushing her clearly to to speak see which we didn't we weren't even privy to that conversation he was right so i'm wondering is this a story that she was she was told growing up and you see he completely just... rejects it right oh, that's just that's just fantasy it's nonsense. That, that's like a campfire story. Right. And she's like looking at him like, so you really don't understand the truth, <laughs> which is great too. <laughs> he makes her feel safe, Lex. That's the key here. <laughs> Safety. <laughs> so now, yeah, they've been they've been married. I think the supporting players are worth mentioning, especially the gentleman at the end of the table who later played the uh, butler, so to speak, on the Batman TV series. Uh, Alan Napier? Correct. That's him? Huh. I'm, I'm mentioning that only because in all of Luton's films, especially this one, all the supporting players are key. Sure. There, there's no one-note players. They're all great characters. They're very fleshed out. I had no idea that was Alfred. Lots of smiles. Lots of smiles. And then this this lady. This to me really speaks to what you were talking about, the ancestral part. Because you don't always have to show or tell the audience everything. She speaks volumes. Yes. See, now, up oh, with the glasses on. I, I see it now. My mind is is actively exploding. She looks like a cat. He she says. D- she literally looks like, and she's how, wearing. How fantastic is that? <laughs> she's dressed like a cat. A cat with her <laughs> with her the bow piece on her head. Moya sestra. She looks a bit like um, the actress, what's her name, Miranda Richardson. Absolutely. That's who she looks Absolutely. like. Absolutely. And you never really get too much specific information on what that was other than... What she says. Right. And and you get a sense that 
she feels something towards Irina, but she leaves immediately. So maybe even she's not fully aware. She just senses a connection between the two of them. But the fear with the crossing and everything, I mean, it, clearly it's upsetting. Well, like maybe Irina now that she's been married, there have been these, these festivities, she's enjoying this relationship. It's like maybe so, so to was... Ollie, it's just a joke. I mean, you saw how he did oh, the, he, the cat he, people he, stuff. He yeah. even tapped her on the chin. It's like, oh, come on. It's just, is it because of how she was dressed? But it's like that interaction reminds Irina that, oh, I'm not free of this. Well, I like the fact that she's really stuck, not just in her past, but in her, like you said, her ancestral heritage. But she very carefully doles it out to him. She's not basically telling him any part of the big story. Right. Because she clearly sees, well, he, he doesn't believe this at all. Right. Poor girl. And it's like, you get the sense that he does mean it. He, well, but I told you that was the only real selling point to me is he's very sincere and he really does care about he her. He does, but it's like at the same time he doesn't realize how incredibly patronizing he's being. Oh, absolutely. He's very patronizing. But he means well. So... Well, in a lot of ways you can look at this as an analogy for any marriage because he's confused sure constantly yeah. and she's basically kind of dictating how it goes but I'm, I'm being i'm not being facetious most men would say that that's how things began they weren't prepared for this sure they didn't understand that it wasn't going to be the way they wanted it to be right and because he's not your favorite type of character he's kind of weak he says i'm, I'm going to support that you can have as much time as you want which in real life would not necessarily be the case sure and i do want to make clear it's not the conception or the execution of this character that I take any issue with whatsoever. I think the way he is written, the way he's worked into the story is great. I think the performance is great. I think everything there is there on purpose and it's done well. He just is just a very punchable person to me. Did 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 you break did you just bring violence into this? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were watching a movie. <laughs> wow. Beautiful animal. If I'm not mistaken, they used the same, uh, this is a leopard, the same, not a, but the same one again in Leopard Man. Correct. Same That's cat. That's absolutely correct. So this actor, this, this feline actor had a good couple of years. That's, that's true. <laughs> Unlike in the remake where they actually used, uh, Pumas and some of the mountain lions and had them dyed Ooh. black. 
not to hurt them, just sure. for, for the story, so to speak. I I take it with the brownstone and her amazing art. She's clearly very successful at this. <laughs> she must be. And her schedule seems to be very uh, flexible, appropriate. Yeah, let's say appropriate. To me, this is a turning point in the film. With the bird. Well, I think it says everything about what's to come. Because she's playful and almost innocent. And it goes very badly. But all this does, in a lot of ways, is just reinforce her entire idea about who she is. About the evil that lies within. So she doesn't want to do any harm, but she can't help, can't help it. it. It's in her nature. Yep. That fear that no matter what you try to do, no matter who you try to be, you're going to hurt others. It's like the things you touch, you can only bring pain to. Right. Even though clearly... It's a figment of her imagination. Here's truth to support it, which is horrible for her, I guess. But Ollie's been safe so far. So far. No kissing or anything. He's good. (laughs) Goes and visits our leopard friend. Tosses it right in. So do you think he doesn't notice that she's clearly despondent, or does he notice and is choosing to gloss over it? Well, I think if he's trying to give her the space and the time like he said earlier, maybe he's just taking baby steps. Sure. Uh, the Sherry's a great icebreaker, I would, I would think. <laughs> I mean, that I, you would yeah, think. Yeah, And she's almost saying, so you're really not paying attention at all. Well, she's not wrong. And that's one of the things that she seems to be, from the beginning of the film, a prisoner of herself, even from the open. Sure. All shucks. Yeah, it's the all shucks thing. Right. I guess that's that's what does it for some of these ladies. I can't I can't have any problems. Yeah. My my life is charmed. <laughs> and it's like he's so he's so committed to this charmed life that he's been living that he can't he can't even go, well clearly I may think this is silly, but this is clearly real to you. That's another great point about Luton, is he's constantly giving you evidence, the audience at least, of all the truth and allowing the characters in the film not to see it at all. Right. Even though we clearly know what's going on. Irena. 
See, okay. He, to his credit, finally trying a different tack. Well, I think I think this is where the another turning point in the film with the doctor. I think the that's do- a huge oh, that doctor. What, yeah, but I think that's I think that's a huge thing because uh, he's a he's a critical character in terms of the story. Well, don't 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 be uh, you don't need to roll your eyes. I didn't it, roll my eyes. He's I'm a not crit- eye rolling. He's a, he's a critical character in, in the sense that that's the reason why they go for his help, thinking yeah. that this is a, a serious problem. It's just that they clearly chose the wrong doctor. Yeah, they chose the doctor that was like, well. <laughs> I think I'm going to serve my needs. Yeah, exactly. Which, which is okay. That's kind of how life is. So, As we're introduced to this uh, new character, I think it's important to remember that when this film came out, which we haven't said anything about the impact, uh, its success was largely due to the fact that, especially because of Val Luton, there was no other films like this at the time. There sure. Was, there was, and, and critics would, would quickly jump on the fact that he's bringing in psychology, horror, and, you know, the panther, all these things that are like typical of monster movies right. of, of the time. Right. But yet it's nothing like a monster movie. It's a complete, you know, on the surface, it looks like any movie, really. Everything is just beneath the surface. Well, and we, you and I have talked a little bit about what the expectations of his superiors were when they brought him on to run oh, absolutely. at RKO. And it sounds like, based on the research I've done, it sounds like really their chief concern was, we want to make these movies quickly, we want to make them cheaply, and if we can, we want to replicate the success that, say, uh, Universal had had right, the previous and it, and decade. It, and it has a formula like the Universal, so we've got to have the scare stuff. And they couldn't figure this out. But yet the audience told them it's, right. it's dead on. It's because it was something that was very unique. Well, it was something they gave the audience as something they didn't know they wanted yet. And incredibly frugal. Yes. The way that they shoot everything, the way that they uh, set everything up. Well, and there is, you know, they had to work, Luton on all of these uh, horror movies for RKO had to work within a very tight set of parameters, but there is that mentality of your limitations will foster your creativity because you have to be creative to get the job done around the limitations you have. And getting back to what we were speaking of earlier, what I had mentioned about uh, Jacques Tournier, the director, who, of course, directed the great noir out of the past. Yes. Kurt Douglas and uh, Robert Mitchum. Everything that he's great at is in this film, and I wouldn't even really call this a noir, even though it looks like a noir. Sure. But like you said about the, the budgetary restrictions and in any of the limitations that he was given in every sense, they exploit them. Every, yes. every, every turn here is a surprise. Every, every moment is uh, something that keeps the audience incredibly engaged. There, there's no dry moments. There's no weak moments. There's no static. It's everything is a surprise or a burst. Yes. Doctors, darkness, everything keeps moving one way. And I really give the credit to Jacques, Tournier for that because he had this very, uh, for lack of a better term, a French sensibility that he brought to this, and Luton loved it, and it clearly that was they were definitely collaborators in that sense. Yes.
And Oliver just has this look on his face like, uh... Is this the girl from work? <laughs> the, the girl. The girl from our department. The girl that played with the cat? <laughs> and I think she's great. I really like her a lot. Everybody in this movie is very, very uh, excellent in the roles they were cast in. And see, Oliver clearly wishing this went as well as it went in his head. Well, he means well. He means so well. kind of a one-sided marriage sort of a <laughs> little bit but like he said you know take as much time as you need and I love the fact that she's next to the zoo and you can hear the roars it's just classic stuff also very uh, frugal you don't have to show anything oh, it's yeah. just audio you Smart. just get the sound effects I mean you have you know you'll have the occasional shot like this where you actually see some animals milling about But the tone is is really smart, and even the way the way those those big cats in the background are shot, the way they're moving, they they look like shadows. Oh, absolutely. She's uh, written so mysteriously. See, all right, and it's moments like that that make me go, maybe I'm being a little hard on poor Oliver Reed. Wait, wait, he he already punched her in the chin at the restaurant, and now he just kind of touched It's like, is is that like his little sister, or is that his wife? I'm a little bit confused. But it's, I believe it is this scene uh, that that just undoes, undoes him for me. This scene? I believe it's this scene. This is the scene where he talks about how he's never been unhappy before, no? water cooler conversation my kind of girl this right here. (laughs) So there's a line, and I'm not sure that Oliver 
knows where that line is between my life has been so charmed and now for the first time I'm experiencing this problem and it's it's affecting me so deeply. Oh, that's one side of it. The other side of it is I've never had to deal with problems. Irena has problems. I have to deal with them and that's making me unhappy and I don't like it. Well, we also find out here that she clearly has got feelings for him. Right. Not that it wasn't pretty obvious already. But, you know, he brought all this upon himself. We saw the opening of the film. He, oh, yeah. appro- he approached he, her. He pursues her, yeah. Like, a lot. And then he ends up with both girls. In a sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's, it's all good. It's the triangle. But, too, like, uh, there is something, there's something in a way childlike about Oliver as well, as if he is not prepared for the fact that in an adult relationship, sometimes because you care about the other person, you will have to be steadfast and help them through their problems, even if it's not something you can directly relate to. Now, granted, most relationships, uh, to the best of my knowledge, don't involve issues of, say, one party transforming into a cat monster. But regardless... To me, it's like I I wasn't prepared for for turbulence in this relationship. There's there are problems. I don't feel like dealing with this. Hey, you're here. You're nice. Well, in a lot of ways, you kind of set up something that's very perfect for him, being the charmed boy. Right. The real relationship, the adult relationship, is with her. He's known her forever. He's worked with her. She's clearly an adult. He respects her. It's almost as if like the whole thing with this supposed cat person is almost like a litmus test to see how basically he can kind of figure this whole thing out. Sure. And in a lot of ways, he's tested only in the sense that he's never, like you said, had an adult relationship. It's almost like it's a uh, precursor to the real relationship. Sure. I, I agree that of the three main characters, Alice is certainly the most adult. I, I still, but again, it comes back to, I, I don't really know what she sees in this, this, uh, this man who has such a, a little boy mentality. Well, you know, sometimes we uh, are attracted to what's around us. Sure, uh, proximity, too, and they've been working in that office together for a while. The way he, when he's talking about his life, he goes, oh, I had such well, great times at school and well, in the office so, with she's you. She's so concerned about him when he clearly has this problem with another woman. Most women would step back. She steps forward. All she wants to do is help because she really likes him, which even bothers you more, clearly, mm-hmm. because you don't see any draw with him. But that's actually proximity's not enough for you. Proximity makes total sense. That what you just said makes even more sense because if you look at the way he deals with the relationship with uh, Irena, he he's sincere in what he says, but a lot of the time it's But he doesn't mean it. Be- well, because because to him it's like a campfire story, it's all going to go away. And he's still thinking he's about just waiting. he's still thinking about him. He's still thinking about how it's affecting him. And here comes Alice, who's also thinking about how it's affecting him. But if we're going to talk about selfish characters, sure. There is no more character more selfish than Dr. Judd. This doctor. It's it's almost as if like I see the hat, but there's horns. <laughs> and I like that. I think that's good because I think that helps the movie. Help, helps the story. Oh, yeah. Because he's really smart. And she's really smart too, which she never gets to show with Ollie. Right. She gets to show how she really wants to be everything to him. Right. Which is never going to clearly happen. But with him, it can go tit for tat. They're very smart. They're very sharp. Yes.
what what does she do? Because we see her we see her making all of these portraits. Well, she she's crystal clear at the beginning that she's not an artist. Right. She she declares because of course of his interest, he's like, Well, I've never met an artist. Well, I'm not an artist. She she wants clearly nothing to do with him and then of course it's time for tea. She does because she sees something in him that clearly I guess Alice does too that you can't possibly <laughs> I just, see. I just don't. Because it's not proximity. He meets her on the, basically at the zoo. Right. Well, in it, you know, it makes more sense for me in Irina's case because she... But, but you see, he thinks at this point that he knows her. Right. Which is a huge mistake. Right. I can imagine Irina being very lonely and very desperate for a connection. With, so I can, with any human being? With, any, with anyone. But she has such a strong connection in a, in a very dark way with the doctor. Sure. They, they very much speak the same language. She very much does not want to be looked at as a patient. Right. Because she is smart in that sense. She's certainly not going to let him take advantage of her. Not for lack of trying. Well, we have to take baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get there. It's, but I know what you mean. And see, everything's always through doors. Everything's very structured in that way. Everything has to go forward. It's, it's very specific. Because she was surprised by him. Like, oh, do you need to get in here? It's like everything's always kind of like... It's, when, a, it's a type of journey. Yes. When when did trench coats and fedoras go out of style? Late 40s, early 50s? It, well, yeah. Because now and, I'm thinking, like, I rem- go ahead. Oh, no, I remember watching uh, uh, *Le Samurai*, the Melville movie, which I love. But the way Elaine uh, uh, Delon is dressed in that movie is is the same that that noirish uh, trench coat and, uh, and the fedora. Gloves. But it's even then in the '60s when that movie came out. Even then, it was intentionally anachronistic. Oh, absolutely. And the gloves are editor's gloves, by the way. In in *Le Samurai*, those are editor's gloves. Did not know that. She wants him to herself and doesn't want to share him, but even she can't have him. So it's like there isn't any character in this film that doesn't have a huge problem or an obstacle. Sure. Even though they all seem pretty light, they're not. The doctor doesn't think he has an obstacle for a while. Well, the doctor's know-it-all. Not not just because he's a doctor, but because he, he feels like I know exactly who these people are. Right. He never sees it coming. Chartreuse. And the restaurant that he's eating at is a cultural. They're having gumbo. Everything's like Louisiana. Everything's yes. very specific, much like the remake. Has all that flavor to it. The... Remake has uh, we we talked a little bit earlier about the fact that it takes it takes all of the ideas that are there at the core of this movie and just it modernizes them, but then also follows them to in many cases their most logical but extreme conclusion. And there's this concept that I, as far as I know, does not exist in this movie at all. That the only way to combat the the cat person curse, if you will, is to mate with another cat person. 
and because at least in that movie as far as we know the cat people that we meet are direct blood relatives there's a very strong current of incest that runs through that movie as well well i'll go one i'll go one better on you not to not to even remotely disagree incest is absent in the original cat people it is flourishing in the remake yes it's it's in a lot of ways what the entire remake is about to some degree about the the ancestral thing in that film has a lot to do with the bloodline clearly of the family oh yeah and incest is uh almost preferred this this has a different take on the ancestral part which has much more to do with the culture and mythology the other one like you said is much more about the relationships and of course the rules that they set up the only way you can do that is to mate and all these things which are kind of like undefined right this is a i'm not saying this is simple at all but it's definitely a little bit more uh blunt about that it doesn't have that aspect to it as a matter of fact you actually said it better than i did you you make out the uh all the character be such a simpleton and one of the reasons why he is is because these other characters the the alice and of course the uh um the simone simon uh arena arena that they're so far ahead of him in every way yes and her jealousy, which I think we're about to see kind of played out here, is uh, so intense almost because she can't be anything like her. Right. It's impossible for her to be that girl. And she even says at the restaurant, oh, if you want to know anything about this city, just say the word. I, I know it like back of my hand. This is, uh, I've got all the answers for you. And that's great for her as a friend, but that's not really the friend she wants. Right. Because she sees her as a threat, clearly. Right about here, when it happens, it's going to happen in a second. The bus. But what was right before the bus? That sound. That what was that sound? It, well, we don't know. We but what did you it, hear? It's meant to sound like the... Uh, the leopard, the growl of a of a panther, absolutely, and I think that those touches are so subtle, but they make the film. Well, and that that became an iconic technique, and they call it the Luton bus specifically because of the. I mean, it was that we saw the bus just now. Sure. Um, but if you look at uh, the way I've heard the term Luton bus defined, is you break up tension in a sequence with uh, essentially a boo moment. Sure. Which makes uh, the Luton bus is, is, if you will, the grandfather of the technique of using jump scares, which has become so, so, so overdone in horror movies, especially more recently. Well, it's pedestrian. It's, it's, it's easy. It's, it's, it certainly shows no creativity at all. Unless it's earned. Now, what did you think of that? Of which specifically? Uh, the pause turning into shoe prints. It makes a strong case for something out of the ordinary, I would venture to say. Well, I, I would go even one further and say that the greatest part about the creativity in this film is you show everything without showing anything. Because you don't need, unlike the remake, you don't need to see any type of transformative sequence. You've just been shown. This is what it is. The sheep are taken out, here are the paw prints, they turn into shoe prints. I, I think, even though it seems very... Obvious to any of, I'm sure the audiences at home that are watching this, it's uh, at the time groundbreaking. Oh yeah, 
But what's interesting too, on top of that, is that the the bloody paw prints don't turn into bloody human footprints. They turn into bloody shoe prints. So if right. if we are right. meant to take from this that she right. did transform into a leopard and transform back, her clothes apparently transform along with her, which is not an important point, certainly, but interesting. But I think that uh, there's a certain suspension of belief. Oh yeah. In 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 any fantasy from which the book that uh you and I were talking about, the one on him, the Dreams of Darkness, the fantasy is the word they use most when they're talking about Val's films. Sure. Uh you mentioned Leopard Man earlier and of course Curse of the Cat People and the body statue and stuff. It's it seems to me that that's really where his focus is. So when you say, Oh, it seems like that I think that you have to kind of make that jump maybe a little bit, which maybe you don't want to oh, make I, that Oh, I do. No, I'm I, I'm tickled by the idea that her shoes on her feet transform into paws. But that's, but that's part of the idea. Oh, yeah. Because she believes in something that's so stunning and so ridiculous to everybody. Here we are, the audience, we get to know it's the truth. Right. We get to be in with her on it, whereas everybody else is rejecting it. Yes. And, and it's odd because Judd, Dr. Judd, has the inside track. And he's just, he can't help himself. Right. He could help her. Right, but he would rather... He'd rather help her? <laughs> yeah, we'll go, with, we'll go with that. I thought this was just amazing. This uh, hypnosis sequence with the animated cats? Well, I think this was another thing we were talking about, how the superiors were like, we really don't have any idea what you're doing, and I don't think the audience is really going to understand this. I think it's inspired. But can you imagine? Can you imagine being somebody at higher up at RKO and seeing these these rushes and not having context for them? But it but it's so fantastic that the context is so clear to the audience. Yes, clearly they foresaw everything. I think it's very smart. And there's this ambiguity with the key. As if maybe it wasn't her. There's all these. That's one of the things that kind of keeps you guessing, I guess. Maybe not you, of course, but maybe not. Maybe not. Most audiences certainly. It, the ambiguity was a big part of how he tried to put forth all the films during his RKO tenure. What does that say to you? We're not sending you away. We just don't want you to be bored. He's very openly talking to her like a child now. With someone else who she's very threatened by. Yep. And who even feels as though her intimacy has been revealed to her. This is really the threesome you want to go out with, I guess. Which only uh, contributes to her anger towards her. Right. Her hatred of her. You could even say... She stalks her. <laughs> I was uh, probably 17 when I saw this. And to me, this was the scene that really stood out to me.
And there is a, there's a version of this stalking sequence with the pool and and all of that in the remake. Of course. Key difference with, being... With the beautiful Annette O'Toole. Right. Key difference being in Trader's version, she is topless. Well, I think there's a little more to it than that. <laughs> but certainly if, but if, a little but if you more wanna, to it. If you want to simplify it, I'm not going to get in your way. <laughs> there is certainly more to it. I, I truly also feel that in this original, it's so much more intricate, so much more layered, so many more details, and there's so much more to it. It adds a certain amount of realism to it, whereas in the Schrader version, not that it's not fun, it's... Uh, it's very broad compared to this. Yes. This is very specific. I've only ever marginally understood the decision to seek safety by jumping into the pool. Marginally? Marginally. And it only goes as far as cats don't like water. Which clearly is not the case. Right. But I can understand that's the... you being in the margin, I guess, that's, with your confusion. Yeah, that's me going, hmm, maybe, but... But I think... With uh, what we were talking about earlier, I think with a lot of horror films, especially like you said, the jump scares, I think that's what they're going for. Sure. So I, I think the suspension of belief, like you said, they're going to go ahead and disallow any, as you put it, logic, even though clearly in that, in that margin you're in, it's very irritating to you. I can see that. <laughs> because you're right. It's like the, the cat would just jump in the water. It's not like that would be a problem for the cat. But in this film, that's the sanctuary, the sure. water. And, and it's very much the same in the remake. Yes. I truly feel that this is way better done than the uh, remake with her showing up and the way that she is. What's wrong? Mrs. Reed coming in unexpectedly. Right right before I heard the panther coming down the stairs, but I won't go into that. What do you think of that accent? I like the. Did accent. I ask the wrong question? No, I'm. I'm wondering. I do. How? What? What do I feel about this accent? I like it. I don't know. Is this uh, what? What region that is meant to be? It it disconnects her from every other character in the movie, that could either hurt her or help her, including Ollie. Sure. So it makes her to be more exotic, to you. Uh, maybe not. Oh, don't worry. You're gonna you're gonna get a bill. I can promise you that. 
There it is. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> because I've been in this triangle forever. <laughs> And everything he says is right. Yeah. So not only do you know that he can solve the problem and that he's the solution, he's basically sitting here holding the key to everything. And he could be the good guy. He could. He could fix everything. But he is he is certainly more sinister than that. And I can't imagine too Sinister? Sin- I'm gonna go with sinister. You're gonna go sinister? I'm gonna go with sinister. Well I just for the record I'd like to say I don't think he's a Batman villain. <laughs> But he's bad news. He is absolutely... He's, he's, he's absolutely only in it for himself. Yes. And even though he has all the answers, he's only going to select what he feels. Yeah. It's going to serve him, not really a patient or a cause. I don't know. Patient just means he gets a paycheck. Much like, perhaps, a Batman villain. Yeah. Sinister. To be fair, he does walk around with a weaponized cane, much like a Batman villain might. Uh, I kind of almost wish I hadn't said anything. <laughs> but but you're absolutely right, and and his and his nature, especially with her, is very sinister. Yep. Because he really feels like unlike Ollie and even the girl, Alice. Yes. He really feels like uh, she hears him, mm-hmm. which is not the case. There's the line, traipsing right over it. How often do you think Dr. Judd has found himself in this particular contest of wills with a patient? Well, that's why I brought up the uh, exotic <laughs> nature of her. I sure. think unlike most patients and unlike the uh, Alice character, there's something to him at least, that's very appealing to her that has nothing to do with the issues at hand. Right. Uh, it's almost as if like she walked in his office in a bikini. It's He doesn't really see anything but this very exotic draw. And it's interesting that he brought up his cane as if somehow that would be protection because he clearly thinks, just like Ollie, it's all campfire stories. Right. And which, it's great because the only one that really seems to have any idea that it's the truth is Alice. She's like, no, I'm pretty sure. And, and, you know, they push all the truth away in all of his films. They do that until clearly the inevitable. He wants to have control over her. Uh, yeah. Well, now, uh, effectively, he's threatening to have her institutionalized if she will not uh, succumb to his advances. Well, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that as... Not to succumb to his advice. Because because it's through the advice that he's going to obviously have her to, to succumb to his advances. But she's not even taking the bite. You know, she's not even into it. She's like, you know, and, and even here he's, he's still, you know, playing the Romeo. Oh, you interest me. You know, he's, he wants to be the right guy. Sure. He's not. He's not. That's one of the other things I, I loved about people when I first saw it is all the characters are so full whereas in a lot of these type of movies they're supporting players right and they're not they're very realized in this here comes no surprise yeah 
surprise. I've decided I really don't want to deal with your cat people nonsense anymore, and I'm shuffling off. And he and he's like Doctor Judd too. He he had all the answers and he had all the truth earlier on. He just made the decision almost to string her along to right. some degree. Well, and both, neither the Doctor nor Oliver are certainly at this point in the story in a position of being stalked or intimidated or, or in any way victimized or feeling victimized by Irena. Alice is the only one who's been in a situation where she feels like this might cause her personal harm. But has he said, Dr. Judd, about the, uh, the dueling wills, so to speak? That's what the girls are doing. Sure. And they're, and they're a lot more open about it. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, she changed into a, a panther and chased her to the pool, <laughs> cut up cut her robe, and the guys, like you said, the simpleton and the doctor, are just kind of like all, not only is it campfire, it's, look, I've got this blade. It's like they're completely unaware. Yep. One of my favorite scenes right here. Are you ready? I want to prep the audience for it. It's It's classic. That to me is cinema. I think that's wonderful. The claws on the cushion, yeah. <laughs> I can't even look at all of the save anymore. <laughs> you destroyed him for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is no, that's just, okay. It's just my reading of the guy when I. But, the, like, now but you're right because they're all different. You're right. And again, I think these choices were made intentionally, and I think I think all of it is executed incredibly well. It just it adds up, I believe, intentionally to a guy that is not uh, not my not my type of guy. But no, when when you say that he's a simpleton, or maybe I said he was a simpleton, you're right because only through being a simpleton can he make the discovery that he makes. If he's anybody else, we can't believe it. If, for example, not to give you any type of compliment. But if he's you, you can't make it that far. You can't you can't be where he's at here because you already have the wisdom to know something more. So he has to be, as you said, that carefully created character, or else he can't have the discovery. No, you're absolutely right. I'm agreeing oh, with sure, you. Sure, sure. I feel like there's sarcasm in your No, I, I get what you're saying. I just think it's it's interesting to equate uh but I, I and I understand entirely what you meant by it, but equating wisdom to being more willing to buy into a transformation cat monster story. Oh, but they're all doing that. Oh, yeah. He, she, she's buying into the fact that she's got this evil in her. Right. He's clearly buying in that he's going to be able to overcome her in, yes. a, in a masculine, almost romantic way. He was trying to overcome the idea that he was going to marry her and make her a good wife. Sure. And then he had, I mean, it, all these problems that everybody has are analytical. Yes. To the reality. And they ignore the reality. Like you said, the only one that has any clue is Alice, who's like, right. well, you know, I'm pretty sure. Well, and it's, they just blow it's it off. Exactly what you were saying. It's that they're they're so ready and so willing to buy into the stories they're telling themselves. And whether or not that was true of Alice for most of the movie, once she has that, once we get to that sequence where she's being stalked by something, she can't see it. But once she's being stalked by something, the whatever story she may have been telling herself is punctured. I wanted to ask you what you thought of this. Of what what part specifically? Well, this sequence here where he returns to get his item that he supposedly accidentally left behind right. so that he can unlock the the setup for later. Things like this usually are not in movies. 
Sure. Which it helps define him even that much more. Uh, playing back to your word that you used earlier, I, I have to now completely agree. That's a sinister move. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm with you 100% because that's somebody who's not only is he just in it for himself, but he's seeing the short game, and only he's in that game. They're not in that game at all. Nope. If anything, excluded completely. The lighting is just, I think, just so fantastic for the time and for what it is. So simple. He's just, he's just staring blankly. Well, that plays into what you said, though. He, oh, yeah. he has to be that guy. It's great. Because he, he's not aware. It's almost like the entire film, even from the opening, they're leading him. Yep. And you even said it better than I did at the water cooler. He's like, I've never had a problem in my life. And nothing to me seems silly in this movie. Nothing's like a like a cliche. It's all very I I totally buy into all of it. I think it all works within the context of the story they're telling. I Absolutely. Agree. I agree. But I know that sometimes maybe not younger audiences, but some people would say, Oh, I've seen this type of stuff a thousand times. I kinda don't think you have. I think this is a a real standout. Well, and I I agree with you on that point absolutely. But even in cases where you are seeing something that you know in an older movie that maybe you have seen done sure. and aped a thousand times since, context is so 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 very important when you're watching movies that were made before 1980, because or 1960 or 19 well exactly. Uh, you have to bear in mind that what you're seeing is something that had never been done. Yes, you've seen it since, but it had never been done. Do you like the cross motif? you think that's a nice touch? Yeah, it's nice and subtle. (laughs) But but extremely well incorporated. But but clearly so subtle because it's not referenced like as if we're talking about God or anything. But it's, symbolically, it's there. It's just enough. Yep. It's the right touch. I was reading in the uh, book about how Luton really got super involved in his uh, handling of each of the pictures you mentioned, the Leopard Man and the other projects, including this one. And it seems to me like he just had a great bit of luck with not only Jacques Tournier, but Robert Wise and, and Robeson. He, these people, if you could say anything in all the films, it's a common goal. And I think they represent that in a lot of ways. That's why I think we're... Uh, so lucky to have somebody like that as a producer. They really understood the idea of all of all the narratives, not just the horror that we're looking at. <laughs> I told you that was my type of girl. Oh, she's wonderful. 
in, in these moments before before his uh, phone rings here, just the doctor silently pacing around his uh, his quarters here, and the expression on his face says so much to me about his state of mind at that moment. And it's a combination of him. He's uh, his gears are always turning, and he's always very satisfied with himself, and he's very satisfied with the way he's turning his own gears. Well, he, he feels as though he's in control. And there's an interesting line here from her that she says to Ollie here about. So she completely sees what has happened, or at least hears what has happened. And like you had made the comment, he's so full of himself. What is you know to occur, he could never see coming. Yeah. A creep. Do you do you not like doctors either? <laughs> I would certainly not like to be Doctor Judd's patient. It's also inferred here, uh, much like you were talking about earlier, like the remake, that anger and that fear aspect plays a critical role in the change, sure, in in the becoming this this creature. Well, it's it any because it wasn't just anger at him right. but it's also fear which which she's basically that's the entire film that's it's, how she's been whenever she's not in a sense the cat sure well any extreme emotional state causing you to lose control which is a very human fear to have being an enormous fan I don't know how you feel about it since I know so little of your taste in modern cinema <laughs> I, I, I do I know very little uh, choreography is a huge deal to me and I feel that they did such a masterful job not just with the shadows but with this one sequence with the leopard it's just to me, it's uh, it's as good as anything that's done today. Agreed. For sure. Agreed. And with fewer resources to do it. Which I think only helps. Oh, yeah. In, in every way. So, uh, Dr. Judd has been done in. Interestingly... And as an audience member, mm. I'm kind of okay with that. Oh, yeah. We're all, I think we're all better off uh, in a world minus Dr. Judd. Although, there was uh, the movie uh, The Seventh Victim which came sure. out the next year, where the same actor, Tom Conway, plays Dr. Judd again. But there's no... Uh, there's certainly no reference to the events of Cat People. There's no reference to the fact that we saw this character die gruesomely in, a, in another earlier film. So I'm wondering... Well, maybe Seventh Victim is a very subtle Cat People prequel, all taking place in uh, the Lutonverse. I would say extremely subtle. <laughs> but I, I know where you're going. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, look at Sue Ellen. She's all over that. She's getting ready to investigate. Yeah. She's like, I want to check it all out. There is uh, a whole other story in here somewhere about Sue Ellen, the unlikely master detective that we'll never get to see. To me, the way they use the actual leopards, panthers in this film, it's, it's so powerful because it's so sparingly done. 
Yes. And it, and it basically sells everything about her, about the ancestral place that she came from, everything. And because of this, it's an explanation for all these mysterious things. It's almost like a get-out-of-jail-free card for the story. Even though we know better. Right. large cat escapes to go on to its But now that detective career. you were talking about, Sue Ellen, oh, now everything can be explained away right. with this. Yep. So now what we saw, the prints change and all the things that we as an audience are privy to, all the realistic people can be saying, oh, it's because the cat that got out, that's what I can explain everything away, including the pool sequence. Yep. Oh, that's what it was. It was just this, this actual cat that was loose. Supposedly the common sense, right? Yeah. It is... Uh, she never lied to us. It's ultimately very, very tragic. I love that in line. I know you're not a big Ollie fan, but that to me is the definition of the movie. She never lied to us? Absolutely. Well, it's, it, it, he wakes up a little bit, finally, in that moment. Once again, another card... My world, both parts, and both parts must die. Which ties back into what you were saying, the line of the, of the doctors about the... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The dueling aspects. Yeah, so that was that was Cat People. From 1942. 1942. Val Luton. I'm a fan. I think you're a fan as well. Huge fan. Alright, guys. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for our watch-along of Cat People. You can find me, Lex Michael, on Twitter, Instagram, all the things at, at the Lex Michael. Twitter at Byron Lee? Is that what you said it was? That was yeah, I believe that's your Twitter. Your Twitter's Bi at, at Byron Lee. Byron Lee, L-E-I-G-H. Sorry. Uh, yeah, and join us on Historic Hollywood every week where we celebrate the cinema of yesteryear and the people who made it. And uh, for this watch-along, I think that's going to wrap things up. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Christian Harloff, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.